0: The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. Would you pray with me? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of his glory. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Father, we come into your presence right now not taking lightly at all, the significance of this moment. Lord, we believe that you are here with us. We believe that you desire to speak to us. We believe, Lord, that you desire to change us more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, who fills our hearts with delight as we worship him, as we lift his name high. Father, I thank you that that you have been here with us even now in these moments as we have lifted up our hearts and lifted up our voices to the one true and living God. And so, Lord, I pray that as now we open your word, that you would grant to us, Father, the ability to take everything that has been this week for us, for each person in this room, for each heart that is here right now that has been through a hard week, for each heart that is here right now that has been through a good week, and experienced great joy. Lord, for all of the circumstances that are represented in this room, I pray, oh God, by your grace, that you would allow us, even now in this moment, to lay all of those things down at the cross of Jesus Christ. And for the words that we have been singing this morning to be the truth that has captured our hearts again. That everything that we need is found in Jesus Christ alone. So, Lord, with your word open now, I pray, give us the grace to surrender all that we carry, to give it all to you. And I pray, oh, God, would you speak to us now? Because, Father, if you don't speak to us, we have no hope. So, Lord, lead us in this moment to the things that you desire for us to hear. Open our eyes, I pray. Soften our hearts, I pray. For the great name of Jesus, And for your glory alone, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you open your Bibles with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to spend our time together this morning. It is great to be here with you uh, here in Barrie this morning. I am so thankful uh, for your pastor, uh, Pastor Todd, and uh, just the the investment that he has made in my life and in my ministry in such a short time uh, that we have known each other. He has been a great blessing to me, thankful for uh, him and his family, and and very grateful as well for the invitation to be here with you this morning as we open God's Word together, as we worship Jesus Christ. So uh, let's have our Bibles open now to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, follow along in your copy of God's word as I begin reading in verse 7 down through to the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians 4, starting at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's a great promise, isn't it? Verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, death is at work in us, but life in you. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're fading away, they're passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal." I grew up in a very close extended family. And uh, I think what made our extended family so close with one another is that we all love Jesus. And it's really interesting now, all of these years later, after having grown up, to look back at our family, at our extended family, and to see so many of them in different places, still loving the Lord, serving the Lord in different ways and and in different places. But uh, it was such a blessing for me to be able to grow up in a very stable extended family. But our entire extended family was thrown into a massive tailspin on Mother's Day of last year. My mom had come to visit Stacy and I and our family in Brantford, and it was our second week as a church. We had just launched the week before, and, and church had just finished, and my mom had stepped out of the gym where we meet in the school at, to take a phone call, and, and she came back into the room a few minutes later with tears just streaming down her face. She was so uh, emotionally caught up in the moment that she couldn't even put a sentence together, and when she was finally able to say something, she looked at me and she said, Your aunt had a brain aneurysm this morning. She's been taken to the hospital, and we don't know if she's going to make it. Within the hour, we were driving to Peterborough, where my aunt and uncle live, and and as soon as we got there, we went straight to the hospital, right up to her room, and and there she was, lying in the bed, motionless, hooked up to every machine that they could hook her up to, and sitting beside her, at her side, holding her hand, was my uncle, whom, in the 40 years that I have known him, I have never seen him cry. With tears just flooding down his cheeks and just saying, what am I going to do? For the next couple of days, my aunt uh, was on life support just to keep her alive. And after a few days, they decided to take her off life support. And within a little while after that, she passed away and she went home to be with her Lord forever. And a few days later, my extended family, we made our way back to Peterborough for the funeral. And, And I remember we were sitting in my uncle's living room just talking about a few final details and getting things ready for the funeral service and then getting ready to go to the church. And and I remember as we were sitting there that it was my uncle in the midst of unimaginable pain and grief of that week. It was him who said to the rest of us, we have to believe that God has a purpose in this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, God in his grace is showing us a little bit of the purpose of our pain. Our suffering shows us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Our suffering shows us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter of 2 Corinthians to this church in Corinth to defend his life and his ministry because so many false teachers had made their way into this church and were trying to convince these believers that the Apostle Paul was not really who he said he was, that he was actually just there to take advantage of them. And once he got what he wanted from them, he'd be on his way out and he'd be on to somebody else. And so now Paul is writing this, letter back to them to say, that's not who I really am. And I hope that you would know that by now. Instead, Paul is saying to them, I wouldn't keep putting my life on the line if I was only in this for myself. He's saying the reason that I'm doing this, the reason that I keep writing to you, the reason that I keep calling out to you is because of my love for God. And it's because of my ever growing love for you. He's saying, I would not keep suffering to the degree that I am I would not continue to keep putting my life on the line like I am if I did not believe in the power of this gospel to change your life. It's almost like Paul is looking to them and he's saying to them, listen, the only reason that I'm still here right now and the only reason I'm even able to say this to you is because the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And maybe some of you know exactly what that feels like. You know what it's like to go through a circumstance like that. Maybe some of you have been to the doctor recently and you got news that you didn't expect. And God, in his perfect wisdom, is allowing you to go through this particular season of your life to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently that has left you with a profound emptiness in your heart. And God in his perfect wisdom is allowing you to go through this season of life to show you that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Maybe you're going through another circumstance in your life right now that is proving to be extraordinarily difficult and, and God in his perfect wisdom is allowing you to go through this season and this circumstance of your life to show you that it's not your ingenuity, it's not your ability or your creativity or your power or wisdom or might that is going to get you through this difficulty, but instead you're going to get through this because the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, what exactly do you mean by this surpassing power? What exactly is that? Surpassing power is power that comes only from God that helps us get through what we're going through. Okay, It's power that comes from God that helps us get through what we're going through. When it comes to our suffering, part of the reason that God allows it is to show us that it is only his power that will help us overcome it. And I don't know about you, but it's in moments of suffering when I need to stand on the reality that God is using the things that I would naturally fight against to do something good in my life. I need the reality of that truth. And that's so important for us to believe because if God is not using that, then we have no hope. I have no hope. You have no hope. God has to be doing something in that. I need to believe that God has a purpose in my suffering because again, I don't know about you, But for me, it is too easy for me to forget the power of the truth in the middle of my pain. And yet, it's in the middle of my pain that I most need the power of the truth. And so, by God's grace, I pray and I hope that we will see from God's word this morning four ways that God is glorified in my suffering. Four proofs that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Here's the first. My suffering proves... That God is everything and I am nothing. My suffering proves that God is everything and I am nothing. There is nothing like the suffering that we go through that shows us how utterly dependent we are upon God. I mean, you can do all the Bible studies that you want on the promises of God and you can know in your head and in your heart that those promises are true. But how many of us would say, it wasn't until my marriage crumbled, it wasn't until my health failed, it wasn't until my faith was tested, that I really began to understand what it means for God to be my refuge. It wasn't until then that I really understood that the Lord is my helper, the maker of heaven and earth. All of this to show us that my suffering proves that God is everything, and I'm nothing. And that's really what Paul is trying to help us see here in verse 7. Notice he says that we have this treasure we have this treasure in jars of clay. And, you know, there's so many treasures that the world has these days, isn't there? So many things that we place supreme value on. And, and I made a, just a quick list of a few treasures that, that the world enjoys. For example, uh, we have made a treasure out of money. And, and we just think to ourselves, you know, the bigger that my bank account gets, then the more security that I'm going to have. And, and I just need that blanket of security around me. And, and so I'm just going to keep adding and adding and adding and stockpiling because that's going to give me the security that I need. And, and so we've made money into a treasure. We've also made things like a nice house and different possessions into treasures in our life. And, and we, again, we think to ourselves, I need this. I need a nice place to live. And, and I need to let everybody else know that we're doing okay and that we're keeping up with everybody else. I, I just need this because if I can have this, then, then that's a sign for me that everything's going to be okay. And, and understand me when I say that it's not a bad thing for us to have things like money and to have a nice house and, and to have nice possessions. That's not a bad thing. Those things are not evil in and of themselves. But what I am saying is that when good things become God things, they become bad things because we've made them the treasure. So we we take things like money and we take things like a nice house and possessions and and we make these things treasures. We, We also treasure things like our comfort We want an easy life, and and we think to ourselves, this really is what makes me feel good, and and this is what gives me, again, that sense of security that that when I have this comfort, I know everything's going to be okay, and and it's not just that, but I'm going to work hard to keep that comfort in my life, and and I'm also going to work hard against anything that threatens that comfort in my life because this is really what I need. It's important for us to see uh, that not only are these things treasures in our life, but this, this idea of making things treasures really seeps into every area of our life. We need to be careful about the things that we make our treasure. For example, it, it goes into the sports world as well, and so many uh, people consider things like the Super Bowl, for example, a treasure treasure. And and think of football players and and these athletes who really dedicate almost their entire lives to going after this treasure so that at the end of a season that they can hold this Super Bowl trophy above their head because it's what they work so hard to earn. For us as Canadians, how can we not think of treasure in terms of the Stanley Cup? And... um, (laughs) You cannot tell me in any way that that picture is photoshopped, Right? (laughs) And um, knowing where Pastor Todd's allegiances are, um, I will probably never be invited back. <laughs> um, we make all these things treasures, right? And, and we need to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, where is our treasure? And, and the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians 4 is helping us understand what our treasure must be. That our treasure as believers in Jesus Christ must be Jesus himself. In fact, that's what he's saying through the course of chapter 4. If you look back at verse 4, he says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Skip down to verse 6. He says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He says, as believers in Jesus, no matter what the circumstances of our life may be, our treasure needs to be Jesus himself. Our treasure is not in the things of the world. Our treasure is not in the things that we can wrap our arms around. Though those things may be important, our treasure is in the Savior who lives inside of us. And what makes the treasure of Jesus so amazing, what makes him so amazing is that he is eternal. See, all of these other things that we have, they're all fading away. They're all going to die. They're all going to be burned up, the Bible says. But the treasure of Jesus will last forever, and we will be in his presence. And so now Paul says, we have this treasure of Jesus in jars of clay. And he says, we're just clay pots. We're just clay pots. We're just feeble and we're fragile and we're broken and, and we're insecure and we're inadequate. And we're not able to do everything that we want to do. But at the same time, we have this absolutely magnificent and powerful treasure that is inside of us. And, and there's times when this clay pot is going to break. And it's, it's going to be cracked, and there's times where this clay pot is going to be put under pressure, but it's when it's under the pressure of the things that are going on around us that we understand that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We have this powerful treasure inside of us, and, and the power of this treasure really is described in verse 8 and 9 in which God makes four absolutely amazing promises to us. I want you to see the promises that God makes here in these couple of verses. First of all, God says that uh, he will not crush us. Okay, that's the first promise that you have in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your pain, and and the tragedy and the hardship that you may be going through. God's promise to you is that he will not crush you. Notice uh, the first part of verse eight. He says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed. Another translation says there uh, that it is hard pressed. We are are hard pressed on every side. So just imagine for a minute, it's like you're in a circumstance where where it doesn't matter which way you turn, you have nowhere to go. You have nothing to do. It's like you're boxed in on every side around you and, and you're in this circumstance and you try going this way, but you bump into something. So you try going that way, but then you bump into something else and you try going forward, you try going back. It doesn't matter what you do or where you go. You're just hemmed in on every side. And God's promise to you in the middle of a circumstance like that is that God will not crush you. The idea is that you're troubled by circumstances that are far beyond your control. The Bible says in Psalm 62, in verse 8, the psalmist says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. For God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. A few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to visit a lady uh, in the hospital in Brantford um, who had some kind of connection to our church, and she had been diagnosed a while ago with stage 4 terminal cancer. And, And I had known her, I had met her before, and then that day I walked into her hospital room, and she was laying down in bed, and she looked very different. Because of the disease that was eating away at her body. And because of the treatments that she had been through. And she looked very different than she did the last time I had seen her. Stage four terminal cancer. She's hemmed in on every side. She has nowhere to go. She has nothing to do. And yet in that conversation, she reiterated for me a number of times over that she has the treasure of Jesus inside of her. She's got the treasure in the clay pot. She's feeble, she's weak, she's fragile, she's insecure, she doesn't know what the future holds. But she's got the treasure. And that's what matters. And so, loved ones, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, pour out your heart before God. That's what he's calling you to do right now. That's his message to you in the middle of your pain and your suffering right now. Just pour out your heart before him. Why? Because God is a refuge for us. He's a safe place. God will not crush me. Here's uh, the second promise that God makes. God will not forget me. God will not forget me. Notice the next part of verse 8. He says, perplexed, but not driven to despair. God will not forget me. This phrase in verse 8 literally means at a loss, but not totally at a loss. At a loss, but not totally at a loss. It's almost like you're stepping back from the circumstance that you're in, and you're thinking to yourself, how did I get here? I mean, how did this thing just kind of slide down the hill as fast as it did? Because I have no idea how any of that happened. And it's like you're standing there thinking to yourself, it doesn't matter how hard I try, I just can't fix the problem that I'm in. The Bible says in Psalm 18, verse 6, David cries out and he says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Down to verse 19 he says, He brought me into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Do you hear that? God delights in you. He delights in you right now. And so because he delights in you, his promise is that he will never forget you. Here's the third promise he makes. God will not abandon me. God will not abandon me. Notice the first part of verse 9. He says, persecuted but not forsaken. This word persecuted means to be hunted down, means to be chased by others who are intent on doing harm, but you're never abandoned. No matter how much you're chased, no matter how difficult it gets, you're never going to be abandoned by God in the midst of the hardship that you're going through. Isaiah 41, verse 17 says, When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Suffering can be like a long journey through the wilderness, and and it's there in the middle of that dryness, it's there in the middle of that loneliness, that, that God then is reaching out to you. Right now, he's reaching out to you and he's saying, You are mine. You're mine, loved one. You're mine, child. You belong to me. I'm going to give you everything that you need. It's like Paul writing a little bit later in 2 Corinthians 12 when he said, And the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. God will not abandon you. And then here's the fourth promise that God makes. God will not lose you. God will not lose you. The last part of verse 9 says, struck down but not destroyed. You can be struck down by a diagnosis, but God will not lose you. Do you believe that? Amen? You can be struck down by a financial setback, but God will not lose you. You can be struck down by the betrayal of someone close to you, but God will not lose you. Why? Because nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's unfolding right in front of us in God's word? This is so amazing that we see that God is the one who sustains us. God is the one who keeps us. Because even in the middle of our weakness, with all of it spewing out in front for everyone to see, it's just proving that God is everything and I am nothing. That God is the one who's going to keep me. He's the one to sustain me. But this only happens when we put our hope in the treasure of Jesus Christ. And so even in the midst of the hardship in our life, the question that we need to be asking is not simply, how will I get through this? It's not simply, when will this be over? We need to be asking the question of our heart. And the question is, is Jesus truly my treasure? Do I treasure Jesus more than I treasure anything else? Jesus really the treasure of my heart with all of the questions around me do i really believe that Jesus is the answer to all of it you know we just sang that a few minutes ago that everything we want and everything we need is found in him right do you believe that it's like it's like seeing that, that Jesus is the treasure that's buried in the field. And, and so you go and you sell everything that you have so you can come back and buy the field knowing that in buying the field you get the treasure and knowing that the treasure is Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your treasure because the good news of the gospel, loved ones, is that we can put our hope in Jesus Christ even in the midst of the hardship of our life. Why, you say? Because even when we are afflicted, we will not be crushed because Jesus Christ was crushed in our place. The Bible says that it was the will of the Lord to crush him, that even when we are perplexed, we are not in despair because our hope is in the one who will deliver us again and his name is Jesus. That even when we are persecuted, we will not be forsaken because Jesus was forsaken on the cross in our place. That even when we are struck down, we will not be destroyed because Jesus destroyed sin and death forever for us. Do you see this? Put your hope in the treasure of Jesus Christ. Put your hope in the work that he has done on your behalf. Because all of your pain and all of your suffering and all of the pain and the suffering of the cross is pointing us to the reality that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Not to me, not to you. It's work that only God can do. Here's the second point. My suffering proves that with God it's never over. My suffering proves that with God it's never over. That's good news, isn't it? If you think right now of the things that are pushing you down and hemming you in, the things that are leading to more tears that you have cried in a very long time, listen, with God it's never over. The Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Notice what Paul says in verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He says almost the same thing again in verse 11. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Now understand the principle of what is being said here. The life fully surrendered is the life fully lived. The life fully surrendered is the life fully lived. And this truly is the call of the gospel on your life and on my life. Jesus surrendered his will to the will of the Father and it led him to death on the cross. But his death on the cross then led to his resurrection from the dead to show once and for all that Jesus has full and final victory over sin and death forever. The call of the gospel then on your life and on my life is to surrender everything to Jesus Christ. Surrender everything that you're going through right now to him and to him alone. And it's in the surrendering of our will to the will of the Father that we then know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in us. It's allowing his plan for my life to become my plan for my life so that I will then know life as it is truly meant to be lived. The life fully surrendered is the life fully lived. And and Paul looks at these Corinthian Christians and he says to them, I know what this is about. That's what he says in verse 12. So death is at work in us, but life in you. It's like Paul is saying, I know what it means to surrender to Christ because I've given my life to him and and that surrender now has led me to unimaginable suffering and, and just to pain and tragedy in my life coming to within moments of losing my life. But it's because of that suffering that I've been through that I can now come to you and help you understand that there is life in Jesus Christ it 's because of that suffering that I can come to you and I can comfort you with the assurance that the gospel is real and that all of the promises of God are true, and they always will be true when you think about it, this totally goes against the ways of the world doesn 't it i mean you 're going to go to work tomorrow and, and you 're going to go to back to school in a few weeks and Um, You're going to turn on the news later today and you're going to hear story after story after story, voice after voice calling out to you and saying the way that you need to get through what you're going through is just to dig down deeper within yourself and just to look for more within yourself and try harder and and don't give up. And and the answers are found somewhere within your heart. Just look deeper and keep going and, and listen, loved ones, the answers to the questions that you're asking will never be found in yourself. They will never be found by looking to the things of the world. You will only find the answers to the questions that you're asking when you turn to Jesus Christ. When you look to him. Real life change will not happen until we get to the point of full surrender. And we can get to the point of full surrender only by the power of Jesus Christ. But you can go to the point of full surrender because you have the assurance that with God it's never over. Do you understand that? You can go to that place of giving everything up at the foot of the cross. Because you have the guarantee from God that your situation is never over. I often think of um, David and Goliath when I think about things like this and and how... uh, every day this, this massive mammoth of a man was standing down at the battle line, Goliath, and, and every day he came down to the battle line and he'd just start taunting the army of the living God and, and he'd be trash talking them. And, and one day David comes down to the camp and he brings down supplies for his brothers and, and he hears what's going on here. He hears Goliath saying all of these things and, and he's like, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? I mean, David's beside himself because he's so upset that nobody's defending the name of God. And so David says, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to deal with this. And so David picks up five smooth stones and a slingshot and he goes down and stands face to face or face to knees or whatever with Goliath and, and just looks at him and says, listen, you come here with swords and spears and Javelins and you defy the name of my God, but I stand here in the name of the living God. And David picks up one of those stones, puts it in his slingshot, fires it at Goliath, hits him right between the eyes, and takes the giant down. And the point of that story is not necessarily just about defeating giants in our life, although there may be some application there. The point is that God will work through someone who is fully surrendered to him because they believe that with God it's never over. David had these small weapons that he was carrying with him that didn't have much power, but the whole point behind that is to prove yet again that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, there may be a point where you're coming to right now where where all you need to do right now is just step up to the battle line. Maybe that's the step that you need to take today. You You need to rectify in your heart and say, God, here I am. And God, I don't know what else to do. I've come to the end of my rope. I've tried everything else and, and I'm left hopeless and I'm left helpless. And, and God, I have no strength anymore. So I'm just humbling myself before you, Lord. And I'm coming before you in the name of Jesus. And I'm, I'm saying that the world is throwing at me these swords and these spears and these javelins and, and tragedy and pain and hardship. But I'm standing here in the name of the living God. And I'm declaring, God, please help me. God, please use me. When David did that, when he stepped down to the battle line to face Goliath, a giant fell to his death that day. Why? Because with God, it's never over. If God is for us, who can be against us? Today, you could be standing on the battle line of your sin. You could be standing on the battle line of suffering that has caused your faith to waver, suffering that has caused questions in your mind and doubts in your heart, and the call of Jesus Christ to you right here and right now. Surrender everything to me. Surrender it all to me. And believe that only God can get you through what you're going through. And then when God does that, just watch as he gives you victory. Just watch as he gives you the deliverance that you so desperately need. Watch as your broken heart is healed. Watch as your pain is washed away in his comfort. Watch as... By His grace, your hope is restored. Why? Because with God, it's never over. You might think you're an underdog, but with God, you're not the underdog anymore. It's never over. Here's the third point My suffering proves that God's grace is real. My suffering proves that God's grace is real. Paul says this in verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. This uh, verse here is a direct quote from Psalm 116 and verse 10 where David is recounting God's deliverance in his own life from a desperate illness and how David might fittingly praise the Lord for what he has done. David's basically stepping back from his own pain, and he's saying, God has done this for me. I've seen God's work in my life. He has healed me, and and now I'm going to tell everybody about it. I can't be quiet about this because God has done this, and what is this? It's his grace. I'm recognizing that God didn't have to do this, but he's done it for me anyway. And yet you and I look at the circumstances that we go through. And we realize that not all disease ends in restoration. Not all brokenness ends in reconciliation. Not all pain ends in healing. And so Paul now turns our focus to something that is much bigger in verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. One of the greatest traps of our suffering is that we can lose focus On what really matters. Your hope is not in your healing. Your hope is not in finding a new job. Your hope is not in your circumstances somehow changing because what you perceive them to be right now is not what you think you want them to be later. Your hope is not in the things that the world is able to give you because, again, the Bible says that there's coming a day when all the things of the world will eventually pass away. They will all burn up, That those things that have no eternal value. But instead, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in eternal life. Listen, that because Jesus was raised from the dead, that there is coming a day when we too will be raised with him and that God will usher us into his presence and that all of this suffering and this pain and this tragedy and this hardship that we are going through right now one day will be gone forever. That is good news, loved ones. Listen, even the aches and pains that you go through. I just turned 41 a few weeks ago and year after year after year that goes by. I know, it's hard to believe, right? Like, he looks at least 51. and, And so... Every year that goes by, it just kind of solidifies for me that I can't do the things that I used to do when I was 21, right? Anybody else there? Like, come on, don't leave the preacher up here by himself. Yeah, so so we go through these things, even the aches and pains. But the thing is, there's some of you that are here this morning and you're carrying burdens that are far heavier than aches and pains. Things that are life-altering. You're carrying pain maybe that is even life-threatening. And what I want you to hear, this is a word of grace from your God to you this morning. That there is coming a day when you will be ushered into his presence. And all of these things that you deal with in this life right now that cause so much hurt will be gone forever. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're just thinking to yourself, Okay, I hear what you're saying and it's true and I believe it in my head, but, but how do I get to that day? Because the weight that I'm carrying with me right now hurts so much. It's so hard. I mean, you have no idea what this week has been like for me. You have no idea what this last year, this last five years has been like as I've dealt with this over and over and over again. How do I get to that day? I want you to notice um, the emphasis that Paul places here in these few verses. Look again at your Bible in verse 13. I'm going to read through to verse 15. See if you can pick up on the emphasis that Paul has given here. Verse 13, he says, Since we... "...have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence." For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Notice the emphasis here. Suffering happens in community. Suffering happens in community. Nine times, just in those three verses alone, the Apostle Paul is underlining the reality that the body of Christ needs each other in the difficult seasons of our life. That we're not meant to be the lone rangers. We're not meant to be the ones who are just going off and doing our own thing because we're too ashamed of of what's going to happen if other people find out about what we're going through. We're not meant to go through this on our own. And yet that is so often what happens, isn't it? Because when we go through times of suffering, when we go through seasons of pain, it's like the enemy's working overtime to dupe us into believing that, hey, listen, you're the only one who's going through this. I mean, nobody else will ever understand what you're dealing with right now. You're the only one who, that this is happening to. And, and it's better just not to talk about these things because just imagine for a minute what might happen if you let somebody else into that part of your life. Just imagine the shame and the embarrassment and the humiliation. Listen, that is a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. And what I want you to hear this morning is don't miss this aspect of God's grace in your life. God has placed you in this church. This is not a perfect church, but this is a really good church. And God has placed you in this church so that you could know that your suffering and your grief and your pain and the hardship that you go through is not something that you are meant to carry by yourself. That God has placed you within this body of Christ to walk with you through that. But notice that what Paul is saying here is that this is not just horizontal. This isn't just something that we do together, but instead, look carefully again at verse 15. He says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Notice here the vertical nature of suffering. Grace comes down. In the middle of our hardship, the grace of God comes down to us in our pain. And as the grace of God comes down to us, praise then is meant to go back up to God from us. So that when grace comes down in our hardship and praise goes back up to God, glory is then given to him. Do you see that? Grace comes down, praise goes up, glory is given. And maybe you've prayed prayers like, God, I can't stop worrying about the circumstance of my life. I don't know how this is all going to turn out. I don't know what to do, God. I need your help in this. In that moment of your difficulty and your hardship, grace comes down. And praise goes up. And glory is given. God, I need wisdom for this decision. I don't know how this is all going to turn out. And this has implications not just for now, but it has implications way down the road as well. In that moment where you need wisdom from God to know what to do, grace comes down, praise goes up, glory is given. God, I feel so helpless, so weak, so insecure, so unable. God, I just don't know what I'm going to do in all of this in that moment of your inadequacy. Grace comes down, praise goes up, glory is given to God vertical nature of suffering. And listen, your suffering and my suffering, our hardships are one of the most powerful pathways for the grace of God in our life. It proves that the grace of God is real. Here's the final point. My suffering proves that this life is not all there is. My suffering proves that this life is not All there is, again, pointing us to the reality that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Verse 16, Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul used that phrase at the start of verse 16, uh, back in verse 1 as well, where he says, so we do not lose heart. He uses that in the context of the evil and the wickedness and the cultural drift that was taking place in Corinth, And he says, even in the midst of all of that, still, we're not going to give up on God. We're not going to lose heart. We're going to keep going. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Because our hope is in the treasure that is inside of us. And, And he says it's a really good thing that we have this treasure of Jesus inside of us. Because as I look at my outer self, as I look at my physical body, he says, it's all wasting away. And so what he's saying here is, I'm not the same person that I used to be. Not just because the suffering is changing me, But I'm not the same person I used to be because God is renewing me even in the middle of that suffering. How amazing is it for you and me right now, just for a minute, just to step back and consider that God is using the very hardest things that we go through in our life to renew us and to prepare us for one day to stand in His presence forever? And you say, well, what does that mean? Notice the words that Paul uses here um, in verse 16. He says, we're wasting away, but we're being renewed. Both of those words are in the present tense, which means that even as we're wasting away, we're being renewed. Even as the things that we see on the outside are falling apart, and they're not working the way that we want them to work or that they're supposed to work, that even as those things are happening, God is renewing us. And understand that this renewal is not just a replacement It's not just a replacement that we will someday get when we get into his presence. Instead, this is a full-blown, ever-increasing, all-out restoration. So understand that cancer is not the end for a believer in Jesus. A miscarriage is not the end for a believer in Jesus. The consequences of the addictions that once dominated your life before you came to know Christ are not the end for a believer in Jesus. Because even in the midst of that, as you trust in Jesus for victory in your suffering, even as you see the things on the outside starting to waste away, you have the assurance, you have the promise from the God who loves you that even right now, there is a full-blown, ever-increasing, all-out restoration of your heart that is prepared Preparing you to be in his presence forever. That's why Paul can offer such great encouragement in verse 17. He says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. One translation says he is achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And think about that. The pain, the suffering, the grief, the tragedy that you go through right now is light and momentary, but it is only light and momentary in light of eternity. In light of the glory that awaits you. Sometimes the problem is not in what we think about suffering. The problem is that we don't think about suffering in light of eternity. Listen, the glory that you will one day experience is so far out of proportion to the suffering that you now endure that we cannot even comprehend it. And you say, well, well, my suffering is so intense, it's so hard. Exactly. Just think about how amazing heaven's going to be. How amazing glory is going to be for us to be in the presence of God. And that's the message of verses 17 and 18. Verse 17, these afflictions are preparing us. It's a long process. We know that we don't go through just one season of suffering and then it's over and we're good to go after that. But listen, our great hope as believers in Jesus is to know that suffering and glory always go together. That as a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not experience suffering without the corresponding promise of glory yet to come. And listen of the glory to come. Isaiah 65 verse 17, God says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. It's amazing, isn't it? That one day you're going to be in the presence of God and the suffering that you have been through in this life will not even be a memory anymore. Revelation 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. That's our hope. That's our hope. So how do we hold on? How do we hold our present suffering in light of eternity? He says in verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For our afflictions to be light and momentary now, we must look to the things that we do not see. Our hope is not in the things of the world because all of the things of this world will one day pass away. Our hope is in the unseen things that God is doing in our life, even in our suffering. Our hope is in the things that God is doing in us that even at this moment we do not see, but we know that they will last forever because God is using all of these things in his perfect wisdom, in his perfect grace. He is bringing all of it together and he is using it to renew us day by day. He's using it to create in us the anticipation of that day when he will wipe away every tear from your eye and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things will pass away and he who is seated on the throne says behold I am making all things new. That's your hope. Your hope is that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us father we are so thankful that we belong to the god who loves us more than we will ever be able to truly understand A love that is so high and so deep and so wide and so long what great love the savior has for us lord i thank you that even in the hardest most difficult seasons of our life that we have the absolute guarantee and assurance of knowing that we belong to a Savior who has conquered sin and death forever. That because He has done that, He is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of our hope. That because He has done that for us, our lives have been changed forever. That in Your grace, Father, You have reached down to us when we were so undeserving. In the middle of our sin and our unrighteousness, You gave us new life in your son. Father, how thankful we are. I pray even right now, Lord, for those who are experiencing suffering and pain and difficulty and hardship, tragedy in their life. Lord, I pray in this moment that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh on them and give them such amazing grace even in this moment right now to believe that their Savior walks with them that their Savior will never leave them, he will never forsake them, that you will not abandon them, that you will not forget them, that you will not lose them, but that you will always love them. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in us. I pray, O God, that you would give us eyes to see that surpassing power does not belong to us. It belongs to the great and mighty God whom we love so, so much. I pray, O Lord, even right now, remind us, and not for a moment have you left us. Not for a moment have you forsaken us. But you have done great things for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at harvestberry.ca. And remember, you are loved.